0: The questions that we're going to ask the candidates tonight, or today, uh, have been given to us by our committee, placebo, and we are going to allow each candidate to answer the question. We're going to give them two minutes, and the moderator's timer down here will notify them when it's about 15 seconds from the end of your time, and uh, we will alternate back and forth with our questions, so you, you won't have to answer, be the first one to answer every question. We're gonna start out with uh, Mr. Brown, but first, before we do that, we're gonna we're gonna allow each candidate one minute to uh, introduce themselves to the group and be able to uh, then go into the questions. Uh, we're going to start with you, Mr. McKinney.
1: Uh Well, first, uh, thank you to CBO for hosting uh, this debate. Uh, it's great to be back, um, and thanks for the work that you do to represent the, the business community here in uh, in Asheville and Buncombe County. Also, to, thank you to Highland. Uh, it's a beautiful venue uh, and a great product, and really the leader in craft brewing for North Carolina. Uh, so thank you to Leah and uh, her staff and team here at Highland for the great work that they do and, and for opening this venue to the community. Um, so elections and our politics and our system of government is about making sure that people are better off. So let me ask you this question. Are you better off than you were two years ago? I think the fundamental question for the economy, I think the fundamental answer for our economy, writ large, is that people are better off. We have rising wages, unemployment lower than it was two years ago, uh, and I think that's a result of a lot of different things. Certainly the ingenuity of the American people, but regulatory relief and tax relief has provided a great spur to this economy. That's a positive thing. People are better off than they were two years ago. We've also achieved things in Washington that are making a big difference, and we've done those in a bipartisan fashion. We have the highest level of funding for our veterans uh, than ever before. We have um, the biggest pay raise for our troops in nearly a decade, and we have an opioids reform package in order to uh, take on this epidemic that we're facing in our community and every community across the country um, with uh, overdoses, um, and deaths and we've looked at this in a holistic way and we've achieved bipartisan reforms The president will sign that bill tomorrow that we've worked on and it's a proud achievement from law enforcement uh, To recovery programs soup to nuts and getting that done in a bipartisan way So I think we have good results and I ask for your
2: vote and I ask for your support and look forward to your questions right. Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you SIBO for hosting this and thank you John Carroll for uh, moderating and Thank you, Mr. McHenry, for finally agreeing to do this. My name is David Wilson Brown, and I am here to apply for a job. I want to go to Washington to serve as your representative, where you, the people of my district, are my boss. You will be my first priority, and I will work hard across the aisle to deliver legislation that will benefit your daily lives. We must invest in our nation's future and the future of its people. The president is nearly right. We don't need to put America first. We need to put Americans first. We, our government, has a responsibility to put a priority on doing things to add to the productivity of our nation. We need to guarantee health care for American citizens. We can do this through expanded and improved Medicare for all. We must cut out the middleman industry whose sole profit motive is to keep us from our own health care. And we must protect pre existing conditions. We need to require all businesses pay their workers a living wage reflective of the area that they live in and ensure protections for affordable housing. Taxpayers are tired of feeling like their money is covering the gaps left by corporations making record profits. We must provide affordable educational opportunities so that every American, no matter the circumstances of their birth or zip code in which they live in, can reach their fullest potential. We must put a priority on rebuilding our crumbling infrastructure, bringing broadband to rural areas, repairing our bridges and roads, and paving the way for renewable energy to replace fossil fuels. <laughs> together, together, if we can make these changes while protecting our environment and demanding equal justice for all of our citizens, we will put America in a position to be, remain the greatest nation in the world. Thank you, and I hope look forward to this discussion today and uh, where it leads us into tomorrow. Thanks.
0: Okay, I'd like to ask everyone to hold their applause until the very end so we make sure that give, we give most of our time to the people answering the questions, and those are our candidates. Uh, can you hear me up there? Yes. To be a Speak a little louder. Thank you. Uh, the first question, which uh, none of the candidates, none of these questions uh, have been given to the candidates in advance, so they're all. Brand new questions for you, so we want you to do the best you can to answer them and be polite in the audience with uh, our candidates, if you would, please. The first question will go to Mr. Brown. Recently, a number of tax cuts have been passed. If elected, would you support retaining these tax credits, why or why not?
2: Thank you. Uh, It's a great question. So we differ a little bit on how the tax cuts should work. Um, What we've seen a lot from the uh, current uh, Republican leadership is uh, let's give a a plan, let's talk about this plan, and talk about the things that are beneficial to the majority of the people but it's such a small fragment of what they're actually doing. Eighty-something percent of what happened in that tax bill went to large corporations and the wealthy. It did not make a difference to the middle class. It's a small amount, and the, they know that the fact that they put in that small amount for the middle class it had a timer on it they just passed another bill called the tax point 2.0 to fix that and make that permanent because they knew that the tax bill that went through is grossly unpopular we need to invest in the middle class not the upper echelons because the trickle down doesn't work they offshore their money they buy yachts from europe they're not keeping it in our economy if we increase tax benefits decrease taxes for the middle class then we will have a more robust Economy those of you here from the CB CI, uh, CBO, Sorry uh, You know that when the middle class is stronger they have funds to buy your goods and services That's what we need to do is invest in the middle class because we're abandoning the middle class at a, a frightening rate And unfortunately, that's not the way that America becomes great
0: Congressman McHenry
1: the answer is yes, I would uh, vote to retain the tax reform and tax cut measures that we passed. I was proud to vote for the tax reform and tax cuts, Um, and uh, I think they're having a fantastic and powerful impact for uh, working families, for small businesses, and for job growth and wage growth. That's borne out not from my opinion, but through the economic statistics we've seen. Uh, For the first time, uh, we have a new small business uh, tax code that's a result of our, our, our tax cut bill. Uh, if you're a family in the middle, that median family of four, if you're here in Western North Carolina, you got an $1,800 tax cut this year. $1,800. That represents a 40% reduction in what you owe the federal government. I think that is a fantastic and major uh, ref- part of the reform. Um, And on top of that, we have large businesses that now can stay in the United States rather than being forced or being bought out by foreign competitors to get a better tax rate in uh, other places around uh, around the globe. So it's good for jobs, and it's good for families, and it's having a positive impact. The results are borne out in economic statistics. Since 1970, we've had 10 months where the unemployment rate's been below 4%. In the last year, we just lived through five of those 10 months. It is having a meaningful impact, not for rhetoric, but for results, and for the average American who is working. They're getting more take-home pay as a result of that, and I'm very proud of the effect that the tax cuts are having, and that's why we need to make them permanent.
0: Second question. This one starts with you, Congressman McHenry. If the Democrats hold the majority after the midterms, what about the rumors of impeachment of President Trump? What will you do? And please explain?
1: Well, I don't see that the president uh, com- has committed any impeachable offense. Um, and there are great accusations about that. I, I look forward to the Mueller report and the results of that investigation. Um, and, uh, and it absent something uh, uh, completely different from anything else we've heard about, uh, uh, about Russia. Uh, I don't see there, there being any reason uh, to move forward with impeachment. Moreover, I think impeachment is really about uh, a, a really about a political tool to slow down uh, the process of, of uh, uh, legislative success and the success that the president's had in appointing judges. And it becomes highly political. And I think it will have a horrible effect on our economy and a horrible effect on our national security uh, if Democrats... Take the majority in the House and and um, and go after the president. And try to impeach him. Uh, and uh, and so that's my view. That's my position. Um, and uh, I, I know there's rhetoric on the other side on this, but I think it's highly destructive to be talking about impeachment.
0: Mr. Bruno, um,
2: this is what we hear a lot: the zero-sum game. Um, first off, we had an impeachment in the mid '90s. Uh, it was our most uh, successful and. and uh, uh, good economy that we've had so um, to, to suggest that just because that uh, potential impeachment proceedings go by that that means it's going to end our economy uh, I agree with the congressman um, we do need to uh, wait for the re- Muller report I think that that will be important uh, I would not push for impeachment unless we have solid evidence uh, coming from that report uh, that as he said that there are in- impeachable um, uh, things Uh, but I would actually ask back to him um, if he does get a report back from the Mueller investigation and if it is solid evidence uh, will he be open to that or will he toe the party line that this is detrimental to our national security and not understand that the the law and order applies to everyone including our president we have to make sure that we're sending someone in into office into Washington to represent us our district to say if we have a president who has done this, I'm not saying he has, we need the evidence, we need solid evidence, but if he has, will you be willing to actually, you know, stand by that report and explore the, the proceedings of impeachment?
0: Any time a candidate mentions another uh, candidate in their remarks, the other candidate has a one minute to rebut.
1: As I stated in my initial answers, I will read the report and make my determination based off that report. Heretofore, I've seen no evidence uh, of an impeachable offense and uh, if the Mueller report has some earth-shattering thing, I will read that, I'll review that, I'll make a decision based off that information.
0: Mr. Brown, you get the first question now. Immigration Lots of news media about the process. What is your view on immigration reform, and what about the president's proposed wall? Um,
2: number one, uh, the zero-tolerance policy. We know uh, when they put in place intentionally a means to separate children from their families, that is immoral. Uh, we need to uh, adjust that and never do that again. Uh, I do believe that if you come to this country illegally, that there should be a process to uh, remove uh, them from from our country uh, the problem here is that they want to frame it that it's American jobs that are risked by immigrants the issue is not immigrants that are causing us to lose jobs what we're losing jobs to is corporate greed sending our jobs overseas and automation I'm in IT automation is going to take out 73 million jobs in this nation alone by 2030 73 million and whole sectors of our economy are going to go away they're predicting that we will have no human truckers in a decade Hmm. we have to prepare for that day and nothing I'm hearing from the other side has any plan for how we're going to make sure that the people have the job that the people have the health care that they need because we're going to very quickly get to a point where we're not going to have the ground to stand on to require that we have health care coverage for the people of this nation We have to make sure that our borders are secure. We have to make sure that those who want to come in for claiming refugee status or asylum are properly funded to make sure that their background checks and they're properly vetted. And I agree with my, my uh, representative here, because he is mine right now. Um, I believe that we do need to spend more money and more effort helping the nations that they're coming from stabilize so they don't need to leave their homelands. Nobody wants to leave their homelands. Nobody wants to carry their kids across a border and struggle and risk their lives to come to a place. They're coming here because we are an amazing ideal of a place that has freedom, and has security they want a part of that and they want to work hard to be part of that I think we should have more opportunities for open legal immigration
0: please hold your applause please congressman McHenry uh,
1: so I, I've supported two measures in the House of Representatives uh, this calendar year uh, that fix the issue with uh, DACA uh, kids that were brought here illegally uh, and are in this uh, really questionable legal state because of the decision of, of President Obama um, and because of numerous court cases around that. I voted to uh, fix that for those 700,000 uh, children that were brought here illegally. I also uh, voted to fund the President's request for a border wall. I think we, when we see this mass of people coming through Central America and they're gonna present themselves at the southern border and it's their intention to come here illegally, it shows that we have a porous southern border. That needs to be fixed. I think we have to look at it in a comprehensive way. A physical perimeter is certainly part of it, but also fixing the laws surrounding asylum when people present themselves at the border, as well as ensuring that there's economic growth and opportunity for those individuals to stay in their countries. And so we have to look at this holistically, but we also have to clean up the process by which people come here legally. And we've done a horrible job about this, and it's been a bipartisan failure and a administration after administration failure for us to fix our immigration laws and to enforce our borders and enforce our immigration laws. And so I have voted consistently to do that. I first uh, was a co-sponsor of a bill written by Keith uh, Schuler, who was represented uh, representative for Buncombe County and a bunch of Western counties, a Democrat. And we worked together on a border security package. That is actually some and substance of what I voted for this summer uh, to fix immigration, as well as cleaning up the process in a number of different ways for low-skill, high-skill uh, labor and, and fixing the process by which people come here legally. I'm strong on, this rec- on the record I have and uh, strong for border security.
0: Our next question will start with you, Congressman McHenry. The use of tariffs are being used by the Trump administration to address trade issues. What is your opinion on this form of economic assessment and why?
1: Well, uh, well first, uh, if, you, if you look uh, at Western North Carolina, textiles and furniture industry jobs uh, uh, were sucked up first by uh, uh, Mexico and then to Asia. We've lost an enormous number of jobs in Western North Carolina over the last 30 years because of bad trade agreements. So I think it's uh, important and proper for the President to assess our trade laws that have been on the books for quite a while. He successfully renegotiated NAFTA, uh, an agreement with Mexico, then Canada. Uh, I think that is a good first step. But the real issue now is for us to readdress our relationship, our economic relationship with China. Uh, they have a, uh, a, a really different approach and have a focused agenda to strengthen their economy at our expense. So we need to right-size this, uh, this approach with China. They need to open up uh, their economy just as we previously opened up ours. We need to have a better agreement with China. And I think that's the main focus of this president's trade adre- uh, uh, agenda that I almost uh, totally support. Uh, Not perfectly. There are areas where uh, I don't think uh, the fight with Europeans is is the essential one. Uh, And now that we're done with uh, uh, Mexico and Canada, we need to be focused like a laser beam on China and their intents economically so that we can strengthen our economy and open up uh, uh, economic opportunities for our citizens.
2: Mr. Brown? Um, I I think it's been disastrous. Uh, The end result is tariffs affect our how much it costs for us to get products. Um, it's not an effective means to do it, especially when you have someone with all due respect um, to our president who doesn't understand basic economics. Um, these are things that are going to hurt the bottom line in for our people, for our businesses. If we can't keep clean chains of, of su- supply chains for these things, a good example are so- soybeans. The soybeans are hurting our farmers. If we do not fix this problem quick and remove these trade uh, tariffs in place, then they're already moving to Brazil. They're getting our soybeans from their soybeans from Brazil. That means the new supply chains are going to be established. How much are we going to have to reduce our price when we're when these tariffs are over in order to compete with the existing supply chains? I worked for three years for Chiquita Brands. Uh, I understand what it takes to move. Um, uh, market move stuff to the market uh and if we do not have competitive uh uh, means to get that through they will go elsewhere our farmers are hurt and they're they're already having to cover the gap uh, for these farmers how long is this going to go on and how long are we going to have to as taxpayers pocket this bill for covering these bad trade deals from someone who doesn't understand and, and you know the congressman is right I mean he's picking fights with our own allies uh, and they're they're really pointless and they're really gonna hurt us overall um, I, I agree that we need to uh, readjust our relationship with China I do agree that there are practices that they do that make it unfair for our businesses but The way it's being approached is very much uh, not thought out, not well thought out, and not not supported by a vast majority of the economists. They know what this is gonna do to our society. They know what this is gonna do to our economy.
0: Congressman McHenry, you mentioned your name. You you have one minute.
1: Look, I think it's about time that we have a president who's fighting for the American worker. Now, you can debate the President's style. You can debate the President's style. I understand that. I get that. I'm on Twitter, I understand. Um, But the President actually saying to the Chinese, you need to open your markets like we've opened ours. I think that's the right thing to say and the right thing to do. When uh, China was uh, brought into the World Trade Organization, uh, we saw a mass shift in our economy uh, and job losses here. So let's be real about this. The Chinese have a focused agenda, and we're part of their focused agenda, and it's not to help us, but it's to harm us economically and perhaps militarily. So let's be sharp about this, and let's agree that this is something that we should be focused on as a bipartisan approach when it comes to getting serious about China.
0: Our next question starts with you, Mr. Brown. What role should Immigration and Custom enforcement, known as ICE, play in law enforcement for the United States? Should ICE be disbanded? Why or why not? Uh,
2: we operated for many, many years without ICE. ICE is a byproduct of 9-11, uh, where we were seeing people that actually came into America, terrorists, uh, and used our uh, lax security to uh, harm Americans. I understand the reaction uh, to have a force that is specifically focused on illegal immigration. But how they implement their uh, practices is not uh, what we in America need. We need stronger police forces in our communities. We need stronger border control, who that is their focus. We don't need a, a roving band of folks with their sole focus on uh, finding illegal immigrants. Uh, if illegal immigration was really the threat that it's been made out to me, whether through uh, criminal statistics, which are not there, whether through the uh, workforce, the amount of uh, uh, damage to our jobs, which is not there, if, if we really had a problem, we would go after uh, with bigger fines and more prosecutions, the companies that are hiring, knowingly hiring undocumented workers, we need to make sure that those industries understand that we can't do that anymore, and figure out a way, as, as uh, he said, to uh, have legal means to do so. Uh, because at all levels of our economy, we benefit from uh, having those workers that are, you know, actively contributing to our society. Um, I think there's a better way. I, I don't. Uh, I've never campaigned on abolishing ICE. I've never campaigned on uh, completely eliminating that force. I think we need to figure out what is the right fit and how can we better empower our existing law enforcement agencies that are dealing with the people one-on-one and understand what the communities are. Uh, that would be my approach.
0: Congressman McHenry,
2: I
1: voted to uh, reauthorize ICE last year, and before this became hyper-political. And before a bunch of liberal activists created this issue against ICE, we had a bipartisan vote in the House of Representatives to reauthorize ICE. Over 80% of my colleagues on the Democrat side voted to reauthorize ICE, including Cindy Hoyer and Nancy Pelosi. And that was before it became political. That became, it's before it became political. So the absurdity of this abolish ICE movement is all about something that is online, or some really loud group that is really harmful to our debate. ICE stands for Immigration Customs Enforcement. Immigration enforcement, I think we need that. We have laws on the books, and we need to make sure we have law enforcement to enforce those laws. Customs, we have transshipment, uh, transshipments that are trying to uh, 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 elude or go around um, our Customs in uh, duties that we have at our borders, let's enforce our customs law as, as laws well, as well. This is a bigger movement by the progressive left that is anti-law enforcement. I think it's I think it's horrible. I think it's wrong, and I think it's much more about some political gain rather than substantive policy. That's why when we brought up a vote this year, two months ago in the House of Representatives, in fact, to abolish ICE, we had a bunch of Democrats vote present. It's about politics, and we should be enforcing the law and defending law enforcement. That's where I stand.
0: The next question starts with you, Congressman McHenry. With the current caravan headed toward the U.S. border, what would or will you do concerning these people? Would you stop them or bring them into the country? Then what?
1: Well, I think they have to be stopped at the border. Uh, I think the President uh, should, if he deems necessary, uh, call up the National Guard to make sure that we have proper enforcement on our border. Um, I voted to authorize the President's request, um, and we've succeeded in funding uh, portions of the President's request for a border wall. I think we have to go further and clean up that process at the border so you have full enforcement across our southern border, and actually full enforcement in our airports and our northern border as well to make sure that we have proper law enforcement and we know who's coming across our borders. I think it's a sensible thing. If we're a sovereign nation, we should should, uh, enforce our laws. And a sovereign nation, we should also know who comes and goes out of our country. That's a matter of not just uh, economic security or immigration enforcement, but that should be a a matter of uh, national security. Um, And so with this group at the southern border, they know our immigration laws. They know that we don't have a physical perimeter, and therefore they're going to take advantage uh, of the failures of Congress to not succeed in getting full funding and full enforcement and changes to our immigration law. I'm proud of the work that I've done to try to get that passed through the House of Representatives. And as I said in the earlier question, I voted for two major pieces of legislation to clean up that process at the border and also clean up the process so that people can come here legally. I've been quite outspoken about it and thinking about this much in a much more comprehensive way than just a physical perimeter. We need technology at the border? Absolutely. That's why Barack Obama enforced our, our uh, our border security laws. That's why uh, President Obama and President Bush and President Trump have all put uh, the the technology measures to ensure that we understand who's coming and going across our southern border to some extent. We need to go further and make sure we complete the job.
0: Mr. Brown?
2: Um. Yeah, I, call. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no uh, question that uh, we should have secure borders. There's no question that um, if someone uh, Comes to America if they don't have a proper claim for refugee status. If they do, then they go through that process. If they don't, then they're not allowed in. Um, you know, this is a lot of fear mongering. Um, there's this threat of these people coming through. Uh, they're thousands of miles away. They're they're you know walking with what they have on their backs. Um, the idea that this is some threat to Americans is um, is a little ludicrous to me. I think that we recognize that we have to have secure borders, and, and that's something that's important, but don't let the fear-mongering uh, uh, get you. Don't let the, buy into this uh, hate of, oh my gosh, these people are coming to you know end your way of life. That's not what this is about. These are about people love your way of life who want to have a chance at that way of life Uh, again if they have the proper things for a refugee status claim then they'll go through that process if they don't then uh, they should not be allowed in but we have to recognize we have something special here America is great that's why people come here we want to make sure that we are a place that holds freedom up high that has protections of the press that has protections for its people all people not just those in power. We want to make sure that we have an opportunity to be the best America that we can be, to not put kids in in cages because we think it's something that's gonna deter people from coming in. These are important, it's a stain on America if we continue down the road that the current administration wants us on. We can have secure borders without doing these horrible things that that, uh, the current administration is doing.
0: Mr. Brown, you start with the next question. Please hold your applause please name a proposal from the opposing party that you could support and explain
2: infrastructure we need a fix for our infrastructure for the business folks here to get your goods and services to the people we need to repair our roads and bridges immediately it is a critical need in our nation and that infrastructure is a lot bigger piece now right it's not just the roads and bridges we need broadband for our rural counties most of our district is a rural district they need access to broadband they need it now there's not a profit motive to do so so we as a america we have to make sure that we get that to to allow them to compete they can't compete for jobs what's been talked about all the time to me from people in our rural districts Uh, That may not have spoken to him in a while um, is that they are concerned that if their kids actually do well that they're gonna have to move elsewhere because they can't have the job opportunities uh, in their areas we want people in our district to be able to build their own future where they were born where they grew up to be with their families so to do that we have to invest in the infrastructure in our rural communities we have to use group to provide Uh, development ready sites so corporations can come in and invest in those areas we have to make sure the roads and bridges are good so that they can get their goods and services to the people from those areas this is an investment on the people we also have to make sure the educational force is is there part of the reason people aren't moving and building in, in these rural areas is the educational opportunities aren't strong enough so they don't have an educated workforce to do the tasks that they need if we invest in people We will see a huge return on investment in our tax revenues, and these are things that we need to do for our our nation to remain the great nation that it is. Thank you.
0: Congressman McHenry?
2: Well, uh,
1: the answer used to be uh, trade. Um, When I was, uh, early on, when I got elected to Congress, uh, the first big vote that was cast was on CAFTA, the Central America Free Trade Agreement. I voted against that. Uh, I was one of the few Republicans to vote against that. Uh, because I thought it was harmful to Western North Carolina. Um, Now it seems like the trade debate, because the president is uh, uh, trying to be tough on trade, the Democrats now uh, have changed their tune and rhetoric, so I can't use that. So um, uh, so the example I would give is a bipartisan vote that I cast in a previous Congress, uh, which was reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act. Uh, I was the only Republican in North Carolina to vote to reauthorize that. I was one of the... Thank you. Um, and I was one of the few Republicans to vote to reauthorize that it's important law it, Important law enforcement tool. It's also an important uh, recovery um, and uh, Counseling tool uh, it's about the safety of of individuals um, It's called the violence against women act, but we also have uh, men that have the same protections as a result of that as well uh, and it helps every community regardless of the uh, Uh, race, sex, or or sexual orientation in their recovery efforts. So I'm very proud of the work that the Violence Against uh, Women Act has done uh, since it was reauthorized and uh, and I'm fighting to make sure we have a long-term reauthorization of that as well.
0: Congressman, Henry, uh, you have this next question. With the announced retirement of the current Speaker of the House, who would you support as the next speaker should your party control the House?
1: Uh, I've stated this publicly. I I support... uh, uh, my, um, colleague Kevin McCarthy out of California, he's the current, uh, Republican leader in the House of Representatives, I think he's done a, a, fine job, um, and he's a friend. Uh, Steve Scalise is the current whip and I would support him to be majority leader, uh, in the United States House of Representatives, I think they've both done a very good job, um, Uh, in the time that they've been in Congress. I've known them both very, very well. Uh, It's really a a sad loss for uh, Speaker Ryan retiring because I think he's done a fantastic job uh, for my party, but also for the country um, and the policies he's advocated and the inclusive nature of his speakership. Um, So, um, And I'm proud to actually serve in in House Republican leadership uh, with the three of them. Uh, as well as Kathy McMorris-Rogers, who's the current conference chair. Uh, and I think we've got a good uh, good leadership team uh, and have gotten really good results uh, through the legislative process in the House of Representatives.
2: Mr. Brown? Um, I'm not going to stand for this one. Uh, the simple truth of the matter is, we need l- new leadership across both parties. Uh, right now, the leadership on both sides of the House uh, favor corporations over people. Uh, I think that we need new leadership. I don't know who that person should be right yet. I, ha- I don't. I haven't met enough of them to understand uh, where they stand. But uh, I would definitely say that uh, we need new leadership across the House. So uh, as as. <laughs> uh, Congressman McHenry in one of his emails, he claimed that I was handpicked by Nancy Pelosi. Um, And and honestly, I've never met the woman, never had any conversations with her staff. Um, I'm mentioning your name, so hopefully I get an apology out of that, because um, you certainly, uh, Weren't telling the truth on that one. But uh, the truth of the matter is we need leadership that, that are going to fight for the people of America first. Um, that's what we're missing. Uh, my, my campaign's a grassroots uh, organization. Uh, we've not raised any money from corporations, any money from any big organizations. Uh, nine or 75% of our to intake has been individuals within the district, and 94% has been individuals within this very state. That's something I'm very proud of. I'm proud of the amount of volunteers that are contributing to this. We have an unpaid staff. We're doing this because we're passionate about change, and so many of the people that I talked to in uh, Representative McHenry's district are ready for change. Um, You know, if you believe in term limits, if you believe that we should refresh our Congress from time to time. We should have people that are working class people that understand, hey, I'm working a 40 hour job still while trying to make ends meet for my family while campaigning for this office. We need someone who understands what it's like to take home and worry about where that paycheck's gonna come from. So if you believe in that, please give me a chance because I think that you'll be pleased with what I can deliver t- for you and um, yeah, that's that's it. Congressman McHenry, you have one minute for rebuttal.
1: Um, well, I, I think if uh, Democrats take the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi will be their nominee for Speaker. Um, I think she has uh, enormous sway within the Democrat caucus in the House of Representatives. A uh, number of candidates across the country, uh, Democrat candidates running for House, have tried to run away from her. Uh, but the fact is that if she's a Democrat nominee uh, for Speaker, uh, their choice on the House floor will be between Republican nominee, which will be Kevin McCarthy, Uh, and the Democrat nominee Nancy Pelosi and so they'll have to make a choice. There's a bunch of rhetoric that they want new leadership and change um, but uh, as I can tell from the press and um, the the rhetoric uh, that Nancy Pelosi has been using, she ain't going anywhere she's going to stick around and so if you're elected to the House of Representatives I think you'll have to make that tough choice on whether or not to vote for Kevin McCarthy or Nancy Pelosi
2: on the House floor. Would you like to make a rebuttal of that? Yeah, so I'm not going to get a get an apology for that comment about uh, being handpicked by Nancy Plessy. Was it an insult to you? Yeah, it was, uh, because it's not true. It's not true. You know, I I think that the people of this district are ready for politicians that tell the truth and don't make up lies to try and smear their opponent, thinking that that's going to be the differential. Thank <laughs> uh, you. Uh, we're, they're done with these politics of lies and that's not I've never said anything about you that I haven't been able to prove by fact so I hope that you would consider uh, making that apology now.
0: Would you like to make a, another rebuttal? Okay.
2: Next question starting with Mr. Brown. U.S.
0: energy demand today consists of 93 percent non-renewable, 7 percent renewable energy. Fossil fuels are projected to remain the dominant U.S. energy source through 2040. What is your comprehensive energy plan for the country going forward? Does it include fossil fuels and the infrastructure to support such a clean coal, fracking, and pipelines? Does it include renewable sources such as solar, wind, hydroelectric, wood pellets technology, and how would your plan support these renewable sources? And we're going to start with you, Mr. Brown. Um,
2: we have to move off fossil fuels. There's just no other answer to it. Uh, the IPCC came out with a report saying that we're going to go up seven degrees by 2100. Um, uh, the Trump administration themselves has admitted that uh, the, our temperature is changing and moving in the wrong direction. Uh, if we don't move dramatically uh, to get off of the fossil fuels, then we are dooming the future generations. That's immoral. That's immoral that we can stand up here and put money before the future of this world, the future of our children and grandchildren. This is something that we have to do. Now, the good news is there's a bipartisan agreement that's already being talked about and being supported by so many people. It's called the cap revenue and tax. If we move strongly to this, we can dramatically cut this and, and actually give uh, tax uh, benefits back to people that are actively reducing their carbon emissions. We need to do this because if we don't, we are dooming our world to be unlivable. Uh, I've talked to many climate scientists, uh, very high level ones, who will tell me that we're almost at the point of no return. It's now about survivability for the human race and adapting for this new climate that we are going to have. We have to work harder to do it. And we can do it in a, in a logical way. Um, it, it doesn't have to be this uh, dramatic uh, shutdown of all things that, that, that uh, are producing our energy now. There are ways to invest. There are things that can be done to make real change and actually create good, well-paying jobs. Congressman McHenry?
1: Like well, I'm uh, proud to be a, a champion of the solar industry. Uh, and ensuring that we have a greater deployment of solar in Western North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina is actually the second uh, biggest solar state in the nation for our production. We've got an enormous number of jobs as a result of that as well, and a healthier mix for our energy sources. So uh, I certainly am for an all the above approach, but an all of the above approach also means recognizing that we have uh, on this day um, a plentiful supply of natural gas. We are the Saudi Arabia of natural gas, uh, which is a, a, an amazing byproduct of, of hydraulic fracturing um, and the uh, process uh, that has been the technological revolution of how you extract oil and uh, other um, and natural gas uh, from uh, below the surface of the earth. So we have to acknowledge that uh, natural gas is also a part of our future. It is. Uh, uh, far less carbon-intensive than other forms, other fossil fuels. Um, and, um, and so I think that's a component of it. That's why infrastructure matters for our pipelines uh, to ensure that we're able to get uh, uh, that supply uh, to markets that are in most need. Uh, think of the coldest day here in Asheville and think about it being cloudy. Solar is not simply the answer. And maybe there's no wind. So wind may not be the answer. So you have to have a full energy mix, which also means nuclear, also means natural gas, um, and for the time being, uh, using uh, the infrastructure we have now for the rest of, uh, of the carbon-based um, energy production. My work, though, and my focus has been on enhancing alternative energy sources um, like solar and like new technology that's coming online to make us much more efficient. I think we have to look at this holistically and in a bipartisan way.
0: Our last question is very interesting. You're going to get to ask your opponent a question. The first question goes to Congressman McHenry. If you would like to ask Mr. Brown a question.
1: Uh, Sure. So in a recent forum, uh, you stated that you could not think of one thing that President Trump has done that you agree with. Uh, I was in the Oval Office uh, two Saturdays ago with the President when he brought home Pastor Andrew Brunson, who's from here in Black Mountain. It's a great success getting him out of prison after two years. The President signed in the law a bill that I helped craft, which was for hurricane relief, and we've just experienced two hurricanes here in North Carolina. I think those are two good things. I also think a good thing is that we've gotten tax relief for American families, and so, an $1,800 tax cut is a good thing the president has done. So,
2: I would ask you
0: really? Mr. Brown, two minutes.
2: Um, yeah, so a, a majority of the things that he said, um, I think any president that was in office would do. Uh, certainly, uh, seeking to free uh, Pastor Brunson was an important thing. Um, so, you know, I won't take that away for sure. Um, I think that uh, we differ on the tax thing. I mean, that's really the truth of the matter is. Uh, their goal uh, for their party is to starve the system, starve the beast, right? That's what they talk about all the time. If they don't like it, they, they make sure to cut the funding to it so then uh, we have to turn to private sources. See he gets so much money from private industry that um, he needs to make sure to keep their 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 pocketbooks filled right so we have to understand the perspective of this that if we do not make sure that our middle class is very strong very robust then we don't have an economy you won't have people to buy your goods and services we have to make sure that that funding is there. The tax bill does not do that. The tax bill made all sorts of cuts. Hey, I would completely agree and sit right down here to lower the corporate tax rate. Because I know you as small business owners, you have to go by that small, that uh, corporate tax rate. What they didn't do when they lowered that tax rate was reduce, get rid of all the loopholes that they've been using all along that they never paid that original tax rate. We have to make sure to protect our small businesses but not give away everything that we've got. Put the burden on the middle class taxpayers to cover the huge corporate profits that we're getting because the trickle down doesn't happen. They hire here and there, but they can't do what they need to do if they can't have the workers to do it. They ship their money overseas, they spend it overseas. That's not what makes our economy robust. Our economy is robust when the people have dollars in their pockets to make ends meet.
0: Congressman McHenry, he mentioned you in his remarks. You have one minute to rebut, if you'd like.
2: Well, if you look at small
1: businesses in Western North Carolina, they largely pay under the individual tax code. We have dramatic rate reduction in the individual tax code. We have dramatic rate reduction for corporations, and in the process, we did clean up those loopholes, and we eliminated those loopholes. That's why we're able to dramatically reduce the corporate tax rate. And if you look at that without a partisan lens, you will see that it's it's having a real impact on our economy and a real impact on individuals. If you pay taxes in North Carolina, you're paying less in federal taxation as a result of our work. And so I think it has had a strong impact, but I also think it's interesting that you never answered the question. Is there a single thing that President Trump has done that you agree with?
2: Would
0: you like one minute to rebut that?
2: Um, I mean, he, he he kind of, you know, set it up for me, right? I mean, uh, commending the fact that uh, Pastor Brunson was re- returned. I mean, that's certainly a, a good thing. Um, but no, I, I'm really hard-pressed to see how uh, the effects of uh, what Donald Trump has put into power, um, the, the laws that he's passed or the, the edicts that he's... Uh, Signed how they really benefit the end people, the the working class people of this district. Uh, I wouldn't stand next to him as proud as I was when he was, uh, when you helped uh, pass the uh, repeal of the ACA with no plan for replacement, no plan for taking care and making sure you were excited about knocking people from your own district off of their own health care. That's not something I would get behind. That's not something I would stand for and be proud about. Uh, how dare you consider yourself pro-life, sir?
0: Congressman McHenry, would you like to rebut that?
2: Well, this one could be minute. endless, but let me just, let
1: me just <laughs> attempt to respond here. On health care, we did have a replacement plan coming out of the House of Representatives, it failed by one vote in the United States Senate. Okay.
0: Okay, just,
2: so how, just, many,
1: how many Democrats are running this year across the nation defending Obamacare or the ACA? Goose egg. Everyone that is running on health care is talking about a single payer Bernie Sanders $32 trillion over 10 year um, plan that would nationalize our and make a single payer system for our health care. It would require the doubling of all income to the federal government and it still wouldn't be able to pay for the expense on a yearly basis. So let's be honest about the health debate. We need change, we need dramatic change, we need bipartisan reform, and we need to have a lower cost for the individuals that are suffering under the ACA and the current plan that we have.
0: Congress, uh, Mr. Brown, you have uh, a question for Congressman McHenry? Yes.
2: So um, he kind of uh, set me up for this one. Um, health care is critical. Health care makes a difference to everyone's lives. So many of the people that I've talked to across this uh, this great district uh, have talked to me about uh, I've had nurses talk to me about watching doctors break down because insurance has denied their patients coverage on things that they know would make a difference treatments procedures that would impact those people's lives. I've had uh, mothers talked to me including the one that was thrown out of your office after you passed that bill, um, and including one who's here tonight who talked to me about the needs of their child um, that yes the ACA was imperfect uh, the ACA was a, a Republican intended plan from the get-go we tried to meet you in the middle and it wasn't enough we recognize now that we can't prop up this middleman whose sole profit motive is keeping us from our own health care so I would ask you, um, what is your plan? What is your plan to replace uh, ACA? Sure, let's let's do away with it. But what is your plan to replace and? Keep pre-existing conditions, and I'm not talking about these high premiums that are going to be exorbitant and unaffordable to those who have these pre-existing conditions. You have people in this district who are terrified for their parents, for their kids, about what health care means for them. Why can we not move to a system that eliminates the middleman, that makes so much money off of denying claims? That's not nationalizing. We're still going to have private things.
0: Let's ask the question.
2: Yes, sir. What are you going to do for health care, sir?
1: Thank you for asking. I think it's important that we allow small businesses to band together through association health care. I think it's important that we allow individuals to be able to pie across state lines for health insurance. I think uh, uh, enabling us to save tax free for a medical event is is a very powerful tool. Uh, And I think Obamacare with the idea of an exchange where you can look online and make an informed decision as a health care consumer is a good thing. Now let me ask you this question can you find online a price for a hospital or a healthcare provider? No. So let's have some price discovery so we can actually be informed consumers when we have the option, when we have the option. But the current system of Obamacare is an absolute disaster. I have individuals and stories that I've been told by my constituents. Uh, a gentleman who is 62 years old, who's paying $15,000 a year in a premium in order to have a $10,000 de- deductible on his plan. He doesn't have health insurance. If he gets hit by a bus, he's not gonna lose his house, but that's not health care. that's not health insurance. So let's just look at the current system and see the flaws regardless of who put it in place, whether it's a Republican idea or a Democrat idea, and let's step back and say, let's make the small changes in a bipartisan way that we can achieve. I outlined a couple of those at the beginning of my answer. I think those are starting points for price disclosure, being able to have competition across state lines. I'm no defender of health insurers. I'm no defender of them. I think we have to have more competition so that we can win as consumers. I thank you for the opportunity to answer that question because it really is a powerful and important thing. And those that have pre-existing conditions, we need to have a better solution than what we currently have in law so they can get access to quality, cost-effective
0: care. Each candidate has one minute to make their final remarks. We'll start with you, Mr. Brown.
2: I think you've seen the difference that we represent. Um, I think you see that when it comes to it, the policies that I recommend, the policies that I will stand behind, are ones that are gonna affect your daily lives. We need to have healthcare for all. It's not nationalization. It's making sure that that middleman is not making a profit off of our access to our healthcare we need to make sure that everyone is paid a living wage no matter the work that they do it is important that we have we remove that need to cover as taxpayers that gap that these corporations making record profits are getting and we need to make sure that our public school opportunities are accessible and are affordable because if we don't we are not going to be able to compete in this new economy thank you very much I hope you get your vote Congressman McHenry, Congress.
0: Thank
2: you.
1: Well, first, uh, I want to I want to thank I want to thank you for running. It, it takes uh, it it takes courage to put your name on the ballot, and so thank you for offering yourself um, uh, for office. Thank you for being here today, um, and thank you for the opportunity to be your voice in Washington. I'm proud of the fact that I'm accessible in the community and active in the community uh, through visiting schools or small businesses, community organizations, and having town hall meetings. I'm proud of the fact that in my service in Congress, no member of of the House in North Carolina has done more town hall meetings than I have. Um, And I'm proud of the fact that I am accessible and responsive to your needs. My staff and I have dealt with over 4,300 individual casework issues solving problems for people. It's an honor to work for you. It's an honor to be your voice in Washington. It's an honor to uh, be a part of this community and try to serve you. Thanks for the opportunity to represent you, and I kindly ask for your vote, uh, either early or on election day. Thanks Let's so much, you. give both God candidates
0: bless. a hand. Thank you for being here. Our meeting, our meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much for coming.